For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. Hello, I'm Professor Elemental, and whenever I'm not riding a badger around my grounds or hitting my monkey butler with a stick, I'm listening to The Geek Show, and my God, I love it. No idea what that kicked in there, but uh, <laughs> hey, everybody, it's a little bit fa- past, fi- past five o'clock, past five o'clock, <laughs> past five even, it's it, it's uh, five past five, yes, it is, it I is guess that, I didn't yeah. even look at the clock, yes, welcome to the Geek Show uh, with uh, me, Rob, him, Chris, Israel yeah. is uh, floating in the ether, I am endeavouring to try and get Harry, our lovely, lovely Harry, on Skype, so... Bear with us a second while we try and get Harry on. Should be interesting. Yes, it should be. Um, Harry, if you're there, mate, uh, we are endeavouring. Things are not on fire yet. Not quite. No, they're not on fire yet. Uh, but Indeed, they can look forward to me. Doing we live a, in hope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they can look forward to me doing another review this week as well. Let's see if I can get the names right. Do you know, they had uh, the Mellow on today over in Middlesbrough. There was lots of, lots and lots of Asian people and weird and wibbly stuff and lots of food. The food Ooh. smelled awesome. I do uh, love shawarma. Mm. Asian, shawarma. not Arab. Oh, my bad. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Although, admittedly, the queues were crazy. Yeah, I'm going to get lots of angry tweets now. <laughs> lots of angry tweets. Yeah. 
Bring one. I Lots love. of angry treats. Angry treats. Angry tweets. I like angry treats, though. You know, <laughs> test furious. Yes, they test furious. I am seeing if we've got a Harry online. Do we have a Harry online? I'm trying to find out. Do we have a Harry online? Hello. It's supposed to work. It's supposed to work. Why aren't you working? They don't like us. No. They don't like us, Chris. Indeed. Yeah. We've got lots of news today as well. Indeed we There's do. There's some fantastic stories around. Especially um, a surprise WTF moment. Um, How do you mean? Uh, you know, the camel. Oh, that's not a WTF award. Isn't it? That's just something that... Uh, the randomness. Yeah, that's just something that we wanted to... That I noticed and I got Israel to take a photo of. He is going to Instagram it. The things that kids' sweets are made of these days. Let's oh, put it that yeah. way. Uh, you really don't want to know just yet, especially if you're eating anything spherical. We'll keep you on the edge of your seat for later then. Yes, we will. Uh, I am going to see where... Let's see if I can get Harry. Um, where are we? But in the meantime, Sony, yeah. remember to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, Sony, in their genius, have managed to... Uh, sorry, not Sony, uh, Xbox. Oh, It's our first time talking about the Xbox One or the X-Bone. Oh, I've read many, start, yeah. many bad things. Uh, uh, people, as people have started calling it. Now, here's a quick, uh, here's a quick recap of what the Xbox is all about. The cons, uh, the the news that Microsoft ever released, mm-hmm. almost all of it was apparently bad news. The console must always connect to the internet once every twenty four hours in order for you to play games. For many people, from military personnel to students, that's an inconvenience. Maybe even an impossibility. It's ridiculous. Yes. Never mind what happens to everybody's console if Microsoft servers ever come down. Definitely. Which I'm pretty sure someone will try, right? The Xbox One will allow the sale of used games at participating retailers. GameStop, oh. GameStop, GameStop, Game. <laughs> but only if the publisher allows it. Oh, Publishers being the very people opposed most fiercely to used video game sales. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Indeed. There are restrictions on how you can give and loan your games away. What's more, lending won't be available at launch, with Microsoft still exploring the possibilities with our partners. Oh, that's wonderful. I don't want to know about what you get up to in the bedroom. I want to know what's going on with the games. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't accuse Bill Gates of any of this stuff because he's busy saving the world. Uh, I reckon he's a bit of a freak. No, no. He's busy saving the world at the moment. It's the guys in charge that he left in charge who were doing all this. Oh. Yeah. He's up the. Uh, he's taking part in the G8 stuff, isn't he? Oh, really? I had no idea. Yeah. So he's in London at the moment. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm sure he had, had a hand in the development of all the Microsoft stuff and the uh, all the stuff for the X-Bone. But, of course. Uh Here's some, of the, here's some of the good news. Uh-huh. This is apparently good news. Uh, I wouldn't really call this good news. I would just say it's, you know... The one good thing. It's just not as bad as the bad news, yeah. rather than being actual good news. Um, responding to fears over privacy issues surrounding the always-plugged-in Connect, Microsoft says you can turn the Connect off, which is actually an interesting point because the German Data Protection Commissioner... 
a couple of weeks ago, expressed severe concerns about privacy yeah. on the Xbox One. Sorry, the Xbox One. Peter Shah, Germany's federal commissioner for data protection and freedom of information, is concerned about the privacy. You know, he was concerned about all, all of that. Um, he said, the Xbox One registered all sorts of personal information about me. Um, reaction rates, my learning or emotional states, you are then pro- processed on a remote server and possibly even to third parties. Whether it be deleted ever, the person concerned cannot influence. Hmm. Yes. Microsoft have responded in the wake of the announcement saying that privacy is a top priority for the company. Um, yeah. Yeah, I doubt that as well. Leaving the sole piece of, oh, okay, that's pretty cool news to be, mm-hmm. right? You can have up to 10 people in your Microsoft Xbox One family, and you can share all of your content among them, regardless of which console they're using. I see. Now, that is actually a good thing, mm-hmm. but the second in games market is is almost as big as the new games market. Definitely. Um... If anything, bigger. Like most stores I go on, I see a bigger pre-owned section than there is brand new. This is true. It's where the money is. This is true. There's like gaming shops which primarily sell brand new games. Mm-hmm. You, you find a lot more people are going in after the second and stuff. But not just that, in places like CEX and places like that where you, you're picking, where it's ideal for like collectors such as robbing other people. I mean, yeah. 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 Cool. Basically, yeah. Um, it's one of those things that uh, I don't really understand. No. Definitely. Mm. And if anyone's wondering, I am busy fiddling with buttons. Because I can. Indeed. Yes. Uh, He's but the button yeah, master. The second-hand games market, it's almost as big as the uh, normal games market. I really don't understand this. There's a much simpler way of getting money from second-hand games. Oh, definitely. Do you know what the simplest way is? Give them a percentage? No. Oh. It's got nothing to do with percentages. Oh, I see. Open your own bleeding second-hand game stores. Oh, yeah, good point. Open up their own chain stores. I'm sure they have the money to do it. Yeah, or do an online store, which is much easier to do. Exactly. Do an online store for the titles that you have that you expressly published, yeah. right? And say, right, you want to trade this in? We'll, let you, we'll give you so much off our new title yeah. if you trade us these games. Have a price list. Yeah. You know, get the games back from uh, from the people. Yes, you will eventually need a warehouse for it for storage. True, but if the digital, you know, but you could also apply the same thing: digital downloads. Mm-hmm. Right. I like the an actual purchase. Like I can hold it in my hands. And same. Put it on my I'm, I'm exactly the same. Because, like, I don't know. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a collector. I like things to be collected. I don't like things to just be digitally floating around. Like you know, I do have it, but it's it's there. You just gotta believe me. Yeah. I'm like I'm the same. I prefer things to be collected, but you know, um, it's life, isn't it? That's life. It's progress. It's mm. lots of progress. Um, for those of you who are wondering where Harry is, I'm still trying to get him. Ah, uh, this is frustrating. I can imagine. It's frustrating me because Harry has a lot to say about this next story, and I can't really. Say, I, I can talk about it. But I don't really want to without Harry. Harry. Let's put him on Skype on the phone and stick it up to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a backup plan. Harry is going to type, uh, he says. Oh, right, well, Harry. Thank you. Right, the next story is uh, who will be the new doctor? Oh, now it has I emerged. I really want to know who. 
it has emerged. Oh, uh, finally! And by the way, uh, we are wa- we are still waiting on Rob. He is supposed to be here. I thought the BBC said that they weren't doing any announcements of the new Doctor. Uh, no, Ooh. they haven't done any announcements. It's finally emerged that Matt Smith is quitting. Oh yes, that's right? true. Shaved the his hair as well. Has he? Yeah, he's bald. Is he bald as a kid? Bald. Oh yeah, Tyrese bald. Yeah, suits it as well. You know, besides for the caveman bro, but he is a pretty cool guy. Talented. Hmm. But caveman bro. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's got the unibrow. I mean, no, he, like he's, he's got, got no eyebrows. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's just like one big lump. Like it looks like it just. Harry's so going. Up. Why? But he had such nice hair. Yes, he did, Harry. He had lovely hair. It was all floppy and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a Frankenstein hairline, but still, <laughs> indeed. But he's a cool guy and talented as well. Yeah, I have seen him play Psycho, and he did it very well. Yeah, I, I'd I'd like to have a pint with him without creeping him out. Yes, um, sounds like we've got a Rob in the house as well. Uh, I'm already here. Uh, yeah, but yeah, um, Christmas special is going to be the last yeah. Doctor Who. There is all sorts of speculation about who is going to be the new Doctor Who. I have a few... Well, I know who I want it to be. Yeah, uh, according to Harry, Matt Smith used to play football, so he's probably cool for pints. Sweet. Yes. Sounds good to me. But yeah, um, what was I saying? Yes. Matt Smith, uh, the new Doctor. Mm -hmm. Who's it going to be? Well, I've... uh... Because there is some money, believe it or not, there is actually some money on David Mitchell. Really? From Peep Show. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see that. It was a rumour, I don't know how true it is, but there's a possibility of a female doctor as well. It's a possibility, we're not sure. I finally want to see a ginger doctor, like the guy who played one of the Weasley brothers. Oh dear. Uh, the one who said, Mad Eye's dead. Or the he, guy who played Sherlock. Hello, by the way, everybody. Hey, hey, And you hey. have... You hit me on the head there. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember his name, but Brendan Gleeson's son. Uh, Isn't that the ginger one? I think it's called Dougal yeah, Gleeson. Yeah. yeah, he was in the Harry Potter films, wasn't he? The yeah, one he said, uh, Mad Eye's dead. He's the... Uh, I think he's one who trained the dragons yeah. in the Harry Potter movies. He's not very well known, but he's a brilliant actor. But Harry's responses are too surly, uh, to which I think was uh, one of the other people you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, female Doctor would be cool, but I doubt the fandom would like it. Would probably split. I don't yeah. know. I think I'd like to see a female Doctor, although... I was watching Ten O'clock Live, yeah, right, and they did. They did actually have an interesting thing about. Okay, well, what if the Doctor turned out to be his own parents, right? You know, in that Red Dwarf, uh, Red Dwarf, the yeah. Rob, uh, the one where the, it's like Rob or Ross, but they say our Rob or Ross, yeah, you know, because <laughs> it, it's a bit like that. So oh, the definitely. Doctor becomes female, then goes back in time, meets the male Doctor, they get married, have a kid, and he's the Doctor. Haven't <laughs> the kind of already done that now? To a degree, with a River Song, the whole parent lineage is a bit skewed because of time travel. Yeah, and how she became a time lord by being conceived in the TARDIS because that's all it takes. Sort yeah. of a time lord, not a full blown one, a saucer. A sort of. She's half a time lord. <laughs> and doesn't that mean then that the the Doctor was like her dad then, yeah. being the last of the time lords? And it's fifty. I don't get this. I want to know what happened to that David Tennant. Character that went <laughs> off it. Wasn't he like a multiple universe? <laughs> I recently hit the nail on the head. What's lower than Time Lord? Time Duke? Time Dame? Time Lass! Yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, 
What? Just keep it rolling. I am. Why are you shaking your head? I found that funny. Don't make faces and point at me. Just get on with it, Rob. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> like a child of small object, you see something moving, you've got to address it all that time. Yes, e- I do. Cats. I'm going to say what I see. I'm going to be like Roy Walker on Catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, Magic the Gathering. Uh, oh, uh, Harry says, my doctor choice for the hell of it, Michael R. Gotto. I don't know who that is. No, neither do I. So, Harry, you may have to explain that one. Wizards break the game. What? Our next story, yeah. Uh, you know Magic the Gathering? Yep, right. very well. Wizards of the Coast have long had this rule. Uh, oh, uh, apparently Tommy Oliver from Power Rangers is the one he chose. Oh. Yeah, because, uh, oh, he's the Rainbow Ranger, the one who's been, like, every colour except, like, pink. Yeah. Um, political correctness ranger. Yeah, political Isn't he a UFC fighter now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. Anyway, magic break, uh, wizards break the game. Yeah, wizards of long, wizards of the coast have long had this uh, rule in mm-hmm. Magic: The Gathering that about these creature, uh, about these cards called legends. Yes. right. Now the idea was that legends are basically characters, creatures, that sort of thing, and you could only ever have one of them in play because physics. Mm-hmm. You know, only one thing uh, of that particular existence can be in that sp- uh, place in time at yeah. that be- uh, that place at that particular point in time. Two of them in that place destroys the universe or both faint or both destroyed yes. right basically they, they're gone from the game yeah. right? that's been the long standing rule now wizards have said oh no you can play one and your opponent can play one because that's logical yeah yeah so yeah uh, the basically it's another example of really just kind of messing too much with something that didn't really need it they've added rule changes and this and that and the other and uh, it's the reason why I fell out with the game. Yeah, it sounds it's like Egyptian reason... god cards versus each other again. It's like you, you. It's the reason why I stopped playing about a decade ago because that's you know about a decade ago where uh, sorry about fifteen years ago was when it was really good. Yeah, you know they didn't have much in the way of all these extra bits and bobs and all this extra equipment and indestructible and blah 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 blah. And I'm going, what the hell's going on now? Yeah, I look at the game now and I'm like, hang on, are you playing Magic: The Gathering or World of Warhammer? <laughs> What? what exactly are you playing here? Because yeah. it's a long way from the game that I played when, I, uh, when it first came, first started out. World of Warhammer. I should just tell people. Warhammer. Card World of Warcraft, Warhammer, whatever. All right. All right. I'm just mixing things together. Yes. Um, what's Harry saying here? I am trying to get Harry on Skype. I just can't. That's why I'm relaying what he's saying. Yes. Uh... All right, okay. Now I know what Harry's on about. Don't worry. Moving on. Me want the Emperor 1510LX. You might want to take a look at this. Oh. Take a look at that. Nice. That's a workstation. I want one. Exactly. That is going to cost an arm and a leg. It's... uh, Basically, they've taken, like, you know, the whole uh, cockpit design from, like, Starfighters and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you remember in the uh, the Ed Norton Hulk movie? Mm-hmm. Um, where he's in that gamma ray machine and everything like that? Yeah. It looks like that. It does, doesn't I it? I want one of those. It looks good. I'm going to tweet that picture. Do it. I, when we break for a song, I'll tweet that picture. Should, but I want one of those. Should put wheels onto it and make it into, like, a, a wheelchair as well. <laughs> no, actually, it's on, actually, no, it's on stands. Um, it's made by MWE Lab. It's the Emperor 1510LX workstation. Um, and if you have to ask how much it costs, you probably can't afford one. Yeah. 
Uh, five monitor display station swings r- down on a retractable scorpion tail to encompass the user with visu- visual stimulation. An integrated Bose sound system caters for every aud- audio web. And the reclining Italian leather chair on its rotating base keeps you pampered all day long. Does it have vibrate? Uh, it's £14,000. Then I'd hope so. <laughs> It's like Stephen Hawkins went on Pimp My Ride. <laughs> it is. Wow. <laughs> no, if that was on wheels, it would be like Stephen Hawkins. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Woolly Thinking, WTF Award number one. All right. Now, you know, art and science should never mix. No. We've seen some real travesties appear from art and science. And this is another example. This isn't as bad as the rest, but it's still kind of, well, why? Mm -hmm. Right? Because scarves, you wear them in winter. Okay, it's summertime now, but you would wear them in winter. Two artists. Unless you're a hipster. Yeah. Two artists. uh, Varvara Guljajeva, Mark Hannett, and Sebastian Mela. That's three artists, sorry. They used a simple EEG headset that monitored their brainwave activity while they listened to 10 minutes of Bach's Goldberg variations. Mm-hmm. The resulting data, harvested from the wearer's uh, states of relaxation, excitement and cognitive load, were converted into a knitting pattern, which was used on a knitting machine to produce individually unique scarves. That I kid ru- you not. It, it sounds rubbish. <laughs> no offence, you've been bitten something that's daft. Oh, God, that's... Thing is, you were telling me about this earlier, and it well, actually sounds a lot more impressive than it actually looks. I mean, it's like okay, so it looks like a kid's just got a white piece of material and just ran blue down. It's like it's like Newcastle versus like uh, I've forgotten who was blue and white stripes. I don't. The one on the left looks like an Oreo. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, science has certain practical applications. This yeah. is not one of them. Just don't create scarves with it. Why scarves? I know, it's just ridiculous. I, I can understand maybe wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can walk into a room covered in your brainwaves. Would you want say. that on your wall, though? No. No, exactly. Who would want No, that? but you could jazz the patterns up. You oh, know, yeah. you could do all sorts of weird things with them. Yeah. You could do, like, Andy Warhol's face out your brainwaves. I've got a picture where I look like Andy Warhol. I'll show you that one time. But, yes. you know, back to the subject. But you know what I mean. Yes, right. I do. You could do, like, a, I don't know, a picture of, like, uh, King Kong using mm-hmm. your brainwaves. Yeah. You could say, yes, my mind is a gorilla. And that... It could be your it could be your joke thing. It could yeah. be your dad joke of the week. Wow. <laughs> wow. Be a good one. Dear. It could it could be your dad joke of the week, couldn't could it? Be. You know. I think I'll have to use that sometime. I'm sure my dad would be extremely like, impressed by that one. So yes. Um I have no idea why. It's art. Uh-huh. That's all, the only reason it needs. It's not smart, that's for sure. Do you know, I am going to do something. I'm going to, like, uh, I'm going to carve my name on a hill mm-hmm. and claim it as my creation. Okay. <laughs> what I, is going on? I, I want to take photos of this. I took it from Calvin and Hobbes. It could work. All right, there we go. I'm going to carve my name on a hill. Right, I'm going to go to Red Car Beach and I'm going to carve my name in the sand. Yeah, but sand, you know, the tide comes in and washes your name away. That's why I said a hill. So... Less like less likelihood of it being washed away. Grass grows back. I'm going to grow it. Do it to a tree. Oh no, he's not on about that. Yes. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> WTF Award number two. Yeah. Inside the queue. 
Right. You remember a while ago we talked about Peter Molyneux's new game, mm-hmm. the the Curiosity a game called Curiosity, where you have a cube, you chisel away at it, and you could pay fifty thousand pounds for a diamond chisel. Well, they finally realised what's in the game. Uh, the winner is Brian Henderson from Edinburgh, and his social experiment. Peter Molyneux said this was a social experiment, not a game. Yeah. Um, he said it promised a life-changing reward for the one to chip away its last cublet. Brian Henderson of Edinburgh, yeah, Brian Henderson of Edinburgh is the winner, and the, uh, and what he won is the the opportunity to be a god in Gordus, right, and the satisfaction that of knowing that he, of all the thousands of people who chipped away at the cube, was the one to finish it. He was robbed. Yeah. It's not so uh, apparently it's no small reward. Gordus, uh, the game that recently went free to play, uh, went to a free to play publisher, will give Henderson cash as well as be getting a cut out of every Gordus sale. Plus, there's the whole god thing: smiting sacrifices, vestal virgins. The possibilities are endless. It's improved because apparently he is playing one of the gods. Oh well, all right. Now, you know, at first it sounded lame, and now it's, it's impressive a bit. It would be pretty cool playing a game of well, yourself. I have all a question. Right. Okay, go Rob. Mr. Henderson, did you pay fifty thousand pounds for a diamond chisel? In which Hold on, case? he paid what? Now I said, I'm asking, did you? No. Because they were selling diamond chisels for this game for fifty thousand pounds, which is why I'm asking. Because I don't think this contract is worth fifty thousand pounds. No. <laughs> no. No. Flipping it. You own the right to file bankruptcy, if anything. All right. Apparently, it's pronounced goddess. Uh, I pronounced it goddess because it's spelled G-O-D-U-S. Oh. Yes. But that's just how I spell it. Yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Quentin Flynn, and you are tuned in to The Geek Show. It rocks. You roll. Got it memorized? And we are talking MCM Expo. Yes. uh, Do you know? I just closed it, haven't I? <laughs> I'm trying to restart Skype to try and get Harry on. Uh, Harry went to MCM Expo and he did manage to talk to a few people and get some interesting prizes as well. Uh, he's got like uh, Deadpool t shirts and various stuff like that. He nice. interviewed guys from Dynasty Warriors 8. Oh. Yes. Uh, he also interviewed uh, some people about the Rain Dance Film Festival, which is really cool. Uh, which we've got coming up in uh, you know, in a few minutes. But one of the biggest changes about MCM Expo right now is mm-hmm. the name change. <laughs> They're calling it London Comic Con, of all the things. Right Now, I'm curious as to why they're calling it that. You guys got any ideas? I think Robert does. <laughs> Man's not broadcastable, <laughs> and I might get certain parties yes. in certain trouble. <laughs> so, jog on, radio. <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, yeah, yes. Is that Do we have a Harry? Harry? I don't know. Can you hear me this time? Oh, Yay! Well, I, oh, we've got a Harry. Oh, thank okay. words. I can't say on the radio then. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Is this the bit where we'd actually start talking about the expo, which none of you went to? No, you did though. I think I timed that rather well. <laughs> yes, uh, and people who worry about the audio, if I don't know how the Skype sounds on your end, I'm recording it in Audacity on my end, so for the download version, we'll splice it all together. Yes. It'll be nice and shiny. Yes. Anyway, uh, so uh, what what is the name change all about, Harry? Well, they've changed the name from MCM Expo, which everyone pretty much still called it this year. Yeah. Uh, 
who was used to it. But now it's the MCM London Comic Con. Uh, they also changed it in their other places, which is the MCM Telford Comic Con, the MCM Manchester Comic Con, etc., etc. So they're now Telford Comic Con and stuff like that now. Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, which I find interesting. I mean, on the one hand, it's uh, it's Comic Con is a big name, and to have an English yeah. Comic Con is pretty cool. Yeah, but it's kind of capitalizing on something that's sad in the states, isn't it? Yeah, and also on the other hand. MCM really isn't a comics convention. It's got comics, definitely, but it's pretty much in everything. That's why I thought Expo was a good name for it. Yeah. I agree. Expo, I, I liked Expo's name, and it will forever be MCM Expo for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with um, MCM, they seem to have like pretty much the same group of comic book artists there every year, so there's no real like focus to make it diverse. So it is really just... So it, there's a bit there for everyone, so it does really throw off the point in the name change. I'm curious about one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't there, wasn't there like two other Comic-Cons in London? There was the London Super Comic-Con, which I only found out about this week. I have no idea what that's about. And then there was the London Comic-Con run by Anime League. There's also the London Film and Comic-Con, which is a separate event entirely. Yes, this is true. So how, how does this affect them? Call it, if MCM choose to call theirs Comic-Con, I don't know. I think it's going to be like when there's multiple Green Lanterns. The biggest one is going to be the one that everyone knows of, thinking Hal Jordan. And the other ones are free to exist, but, you know, they'll they'll get who they get. Okay. I prefer John the Green Lantern. John Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. John Stewart was less of a, a boring... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> he was yeah. He was not... John Stewart could not be played by Ryan Reynolds, and that is a compliment to me. This is true. Yeah, and hopefully he never gets played by Wesley Snipes as well. He might get played by Sam Jackson, though. Samuel Jackson? Mm. What about Denzel Washington? No, not Denzel. It's not Denzel, it's Denzel. No, it's not, it's Denzel. 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 I am a Denzel Washington. (laughs) (laughs) And Kyle, the artist, he would have been a good Green Lantern in movie as well. No, the guy who plays Luther. The guy who plays Luther. Because Rob said to me about the uh, new Doctor should be the guy who plays Luther on TV. Idris Elba yeah Idris Elba but he should be he should play John Stewart as well because he's really good he's a really good actor Um, yeah so Harry what else was new there then was there you know uh, there is like the usual kind of guests and comic creators and stuff like that but was there anything new anything in particular any new stages or any new areas well, there's a lot of new stuff going on, basically. Um, you may remember exactly a year ago, they reached the maximum capacity yeah. uh, with the actual thing itself, and they had to stop people coming in. So since wow. then, they've got the additional room. Uh, the additional room last expo, which is six months ago, yeah. uh, was used to just house some little cafe bits and a series of heads from film props, because they also merged it with uh, the MCA memorabilia yeah. uh, that time around. This time they've gone and integrated it more properly into the rest of the show floor. It was kind of like an afterthought before. Yeah. But this time there's a, a proper like cartel of sweets going on and uh, foods you can eat because there's like a booth of Chinese food and then you can rotate around it. It's like a big circle thing. The next one's a booth of Japanese food. Then the next one's a Starbucks. Nicely uh, done. Et so, yeah, yeah. So you could theoretically eat yourself sick and then start all over again. Mm-hmm. Well, the also good thing about that bit is that it's in a bit of a more open space, as open as you can get in MCM, hmm. which means it's much better to just have a moment and breathe, which you do need sometimes. Uh, there was also, I believe, last year, 
uh, last time. It's hard saying last year when it's a six monthly thing. What do you say for that? You know, last half year. Um, biannual. What last biannual? No, I don't know. Oh, last half year, six months ago. Yeah. Just say so, six months ago. <laughs> six months ago. It sounds like it's a previous episode or something. Yes. Uh, it kind of is. Six months ago, GameSpot had a big booth where they were doing a lot of interviews for games and things. Yeah. Uh, but this year, that seems to have been replaced by the MCM eSports uh, booth. Now, What's that all about? Stage. Yeah. It, basically, they went for eSports in a big way this time around. They m- massively invested into it. There were several uh, eSports competitions going on. I believe... I can't remember what they were playing. I think some people were playing... Is it Call of Duty and something play something else? Hang on. Call of Duty is not an eSport. Oh, um, I don't mean like eSports like tennis. I mean like competitive. Like t- Call of Duty in no way is a, is a sport. Hang on, I'm looking it up. Uh, but they also <laughs> got out the one, which was the main one to Sorry? play against each other. Which one? I missed oh, wait, League of Legends. League of Legends. Right, okay. Yeah. So there was League of Legends going on, uh, thanks to Mad Cats and Backdrop Gaming. Uh, not only was there that that take that stage where they were discussing it and doing interviews with people, as yeah. well as the interviews with just some of the people who attended, like there was a Remember Me interview going on, and I yeah. know that Rob is particularly keen to get his hands on a copy of Remember Me. Yes. Looking forward to. Uh, I went over to the Capcom booth and they kept saying, come back. I will get an interview. I, I swear on it. Uh, I want it so much. Um, but they also streamed their eSports things on Twitch TV. And the Theatre One, which is the main massive theatre, uh, was also esports watching and commentary. Mm. So they, this was a completely new feature. They've not done it at NMCM before, and they just took straight to it with this one. Well, uh, which is, it was cool to see something brand new to it. Okay. Tell us more about the Raindance Film Festival then, because we do have that interview coming up. Yes, we do. Uh, Elliot Grove, I've, I'm... I think I've got his name right, so I'll go with it. Elliot Grove uh, <laughs> is the founder of the Raindance Film Festival. Yeah. It's, it had its 20th anniversary last year. It has been going a long time. Wow. And the 21st one is coming up, I believe it's in August, September time. You know about the Raindance Film Festival, don't you, Rob? Yeah, I've known about them for a good while now. What, uh, what do they specialise in? It's not so much that they specialise in anything. It's more that they are a, a hub for people who are new at filmmaking and are sort of guiding through the ups and downs as well as giving them sort of early doors people a platform Ah. in the form of a festival Fantastic Yeah, They've got masterclasses going on, they've got a free newsletter and blog on their website and uh, the guy, Elliot uh, the guy who I spoke to was very uh, into websites, uh, content creators and online content creators. Fantastic. It's the thing that for a guy who's, you know, he's been running Raindance for 20 years. Yeah. So clearly, I'm not, I don't want to say he's old, but oops, I just did. He's experienced. Uh, yes, he's very experienced. And, but he's really up for changes in media. He's got his finger <laughs> on the pulse quite well. And uh, yeah, Raindance now it gets so many submissions because of the cheap technology that we have available for video cameras and microphones and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. all of, from all over the world, thanks to the internet. Fantastic. Shall we have a listen to the interview then? I certainly say we should. Right. He's a very charming man. This is uh, Harry interviewing Elliot Grove of the Raindance Film Festival. The founder of the Raindance Film Festival, even. 
This is the Geek Show interview with Elliot Grove, founder of the Raindance Film Festival. Hello, lovely to meet you. And you, Harry, and congratulations on the Geek Show. I hear it keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> Thank you very much. I hear the same of Raindance. <laughs> You've just had your 20th anniversary as well. This one's the 21st show coming out. Oh, that's right, and we're getting film submissions from all over the world. And the reason I'm at Comic-Con here is because a lot of the filmmakers... Um, who are doing the most interesting work come not out of the traditional film industry but out of graphic novels, comic backgrounds, doing web series and so on. So people like Tom Scott, for example, are huge. I'm trying to get him to be a juror this year. Oh, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. So is that one of the main things you've seen alter over the years is the number of people coming from internet backgrounds and uh, like web series, as you say, rather than student projects, I would assume? Uh, well, the internet has made the uh, accessibility of the audience very easy. And, of course, digital technology, such as the little gizmo you're holding there, make <laughs> recording sound and pictures a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. But the thing that holds people back if they want to be a filmmaker, regardless of their background, is the story. And, of course, comics have traditionally had fantastic stories and the trick is how do you put them on the small screen or big screen within the budgets that you know you could raise yourself either through crowdfunding or your mates or every once in a while someone hits a six or as they say back where I come from a home run and scores a big deal with the studio. So given the, like you say, the cheapness, the cheapness that allows for video cameras and microphones and everything to be made these days, uh, do you feel there's been a lot more entries and submissions coming to Raindance over the past few years? We are finding filmmakers who submit to Raindance in the last few years are pushing the boundaries of filmmaking techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even as recently as three, four years ago, if you wanted CGI or special effects, you needed many, many tens, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds, but now you can do it using... God knows what program, After Effects, for example, very simply and cheaply on your, at home on your laptop. And this has meant that the, the, the visual quality of a lot of the films have um, special effects and other um, uh, visual effects that aren't normally associated with the world of independent film. And it also has opened up the stories so when you have people crashing into the sky dome or blasting <laughs> into outer space, which you wouldn't have seen a few years ago. No, no, impossible. It would have been the whole, I suppose, going back into the old days of like holding puppets up and things. Yes. <laughs> Zooming over cardboard cities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But the main thing is, the main thing is story. So if you've got a great story and uh, you do it first um, comic book style, if you like storyboard style, and then if you get an, an audience following that through the comic books, be it online or print copies like here at MCMX, but... Uh, then, then it's very likely that it will work as a movie as well, be it short or feature. Is that advice you'd give there to people who are wanting to get into independent films? Start with like a written media or a comic media and then see if they can expand on it and get it into a film format? Storytelling, visual storytelling you see as comic books as well as movies. <laughs> so someone like Robert Rodriguez started off as a storyboard artist. Mm. Not many people know that, but his original stories were comic books, All right. cartoons. Uh, and then he made the transition to movies very, very easily. And now, at this point in his life, having done all these wonderful, huge budget movies, mm-hmm. is now going back into the comic book and trying to integrate the two, mm-hmm. the, the two art forms, the two storytelling art forms. Mm. Fascinating. Uh, when is the Rain Dance Festival this year? What, what can people look forward to? 
Well, Rain Dance is at the end of September, beginning of October each year. It's our 21st year. It's at the Apollo Cinema, right in the center of town at Piccadilly Circus. We have five screens running from noon till midnight for 12 full days with over 100 features and 150 shorts from 73 countries. And the filmmakers all pretty much come. And it's a great chance, as it is here, to go and meet the creators of this marvelous, marvelous content that no one else has seen. People always ask me what makes a rain dance film, and it's extreme, but let me explain. Extreme stories, extreme points of view, number one. Number two, extreme techniques of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And of course, because it's at rain dance, it needs to be extremely good. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to it. And people should go check it out and find the website and then see what people are coming along, see what they can look forward to. Yeah, raindance.org. We've got hundreds and hundreds of free tips. We do a free weekly newsletter, and we're always glad to hear from people. <laughs> fantastic. Have a fantastic festival this year, then. Thanks, Harry. Thanks. Hi, I'm Danny Rahim from Primeval New World, and you're listening to us here on The Geek Show. And we're talking MCM Expo. Harry, Harry, Ooh. Harry. How are you doing? Yes, yes. All good. Yay. I'm still here. Uh, everything's, still whirling, everything's, whirling. everything's working. Nothing's on fire. Yeah, everything needs deworming, as Rob is saying. Yes. Um, we do have another interview coming up with a fellow called I Am Tim. Who is Tim? Ah, well, well, Tim is a character. The man himself has a different name, which... I'm quickly looking up because now I'm afraid I don't remember it correctly at all. <laughs> Curse you, Rob, for putting me on the spot. Uh, but no, I'm Tim is a... It's a fake documentary series cause it's about monster hunting. But it's basically a... Do you remember the BBC series Demons? Demons? Yeah. Demons? Does anyone remember the BBC TV series Demons? I only remember an 80s gore film called Demons. So That's what I'm thinking of no, as well. No. Alright, uh, for anyone out there who does remember it, it's like Demons, but not terrible. <laughs> Demons was uh, an atrociously like... dull series. Yeah. Oh, God. There's a poster but... quote for you, Harry. Not terrible. But no, this is with Jamie McKellar, who is the guy who plays Tim in the series I Am Tim. Uh, again, Jimmy! His full name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the last descendant of Van Helsing. And so basically, the thing I love about it is it's a guy realizes he's a descendant of Van Helsing and has to go hunt monsters and demons and stuff. Actually, I, re it, I, I think I remember demons now. You remember Thought demons the, now? Uh, Did he wear like some stupid leather jacket and a hoodie? Yep. Yeah, I remember that horrible show. It was lame. It was so bad. So <laughs> lame. Well, that description, though, could be anything from the 90s. Yeah, it's yeah, a good point. It felt yeah. like it was left over from the 90s. Like someone had left it in a can and then someone pulled it out later. I was like, oh, <laughs> but early in the show, this for some reason. I'm surprised it didn't get cancelled after the pilot episode. Yeah, it, it ran for a whole, was it six episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Then it's sounding worse. Got hidden like a wet fart. Rob was like, "Let us not speak of this again." You want people to like independent programming. Anyway, back to I Am Tim. Series good though. You should watch I Am Tim. It's good. It's not like demons at all. Well, basically, a major difference is that I Am Tim is set in York, so quite near to where we are, just a little bit south. Uh, despite being in the north, oh, oh what's going on? <laughs> and because of that, it's just really rural and very Yorkshire, and it, it's very sweary and very silly, but it's just really fun. It's... Is, it, is it very uproar, round corner? 
<laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, very gory as well. It's the full version of this interview, which naturally is, of course, twenty minutes. Are there uh, zombies in it? Hmm? Are there zombies in it? Yes. Well, are there zombies? I'm, I'm not got through the whole backlog. Zombies, yet, but... If there were zombies, it would. It start. If you had zombies, it's starting to sound more and more like um, like the Yorkshire version of Tucker and Dale. Ah. Oh, that was a great movie. Yes. Uh, the, the most I've seen in fights so far would be a Gru, a uh, Imperisa, and some vampires. There's got to be zombies at some point. Definitely. There's always yeah, zombies probably. at some point. Probably will be. Are you a fan of I Am Tim? Are there zombies? Let us know. Tweet to us at The Geek Show. Yes. Well, tweet to us at uh, TGS underscore The Geek Show. In the meantime, shall we have a listen to the interview? Yes, he's a lovely guy, Jim, Jamie McKellar. And you should all go to IamTimHelsing.com to see more of his series. Good. This is the Kick Show's interview with Jamie McKellar, a.k.a. Tim Helsing from I Am Tim, the web series. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing? This is your first, uh, good. This yeah. is your first time here, I believe. This is my, well, this is my first... Um, I, I've been to Thought Bubble mm-hmm. in, in Leeds once, and obviously that's, it's more like a trade fair room, isn't it? Yeah, it's more comic-centric. More comic-based, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time I've been to the Comic-Con. In, in London, uh, and it's insane. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how I've lived for the 32 years. 32 <laughs> years. I've never been to this before. Mm-hmm. We're very gory as well. That's the thing. Is uh, obviously we, we revel in the, in the practical effects. Um, we we've, now and again we have to do a little bit of CGI. Mm-hmm. If for like, for instance, at the end of series two, we had, we were filming in a, a local school campus, mm-hmm. um, and we had to do a character getting shot a couple of times and then running away, and. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the rules was they checked out the series and said, yes, you can still come and film here despite the content of all the swearing and the, the, the cartoony violence, but if you could not spray several litres of pressurised arterial blood over the walls, we'd appreciate it. So we had a chat with a guy that he sort of peppers our practical effects with a little bit of digital. You can not really spot, that's the thing, it's very important to me that it all looks like it's been captured organically. Like you, cause we, you know, everything that we do is, is you know, people start having their faces glued on and having fingernails tacked onto them and all the blood, all the blood sprays that happen are all physical. Anytime, in episode two I get hit with like four litres of, of, of blood out of what's called the gore cannon. <laughs> And that is a, you know, he, you can see Simon, the guy that does our effects, pumping it up with his with his little foot pump, mm-hmm. laughing maniacally. And it's like it's a two-litre bottle of Coke mm-hmm. that he's reinforced with latex and gaffer tape, and it's put a bike valve on the top, and it has a, an air release valve, so he pumps mm-hmm. this thing up, and you can feel this thing humming when you when you touch it. Mm-hmm. And then he pours several litres into a long pipe, mm-hmm. which he then just aims where he wants to go. We do the scene, and obviously you can't rehearse that. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, when you see in episode two of series one, when I when a demon that I'm fighting, I kind of use this amulet, cast a spell on it, and it nothing really happens, and I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that's fine, nothing really, and suddenly it just detonates, <laughs> and I get that's a genuine response because it went up my nose, in my eyes, in my mouth, in my ears, and it was thick stuff. He makes it out of um, clothes dye, mm-hmm. wallpaper paste, and hot water. We've had to do a few things. We've had things go wrong. I mean, obviously, we've, we've done effects where we, we do... We'll, we'll be doing rehearsals, uh, and, and you'll just hear the effects guy cry out, wet or dry? And we're like, dry, please. Uh, so, what could people look forward to from IMT? What's coming up? Um, okay, so we're like 24 episodes in now, I believe. <laughs> Online, you can find them all. And I think we've got like 20... 
eight left to put out online. We filmed all the way to the end of series three, um, and what we've got coming up in the latter half of series two, because I'm like a little mid-series break now, just because it's you know it's it's intense trying to get one out every fortnight. Yeah, yeah. So we ended on a pretty good cliffhanger where a, a character that had gone MIA, MIA came back, mm -hmm. and hopefully people go, what? Mm -hmm. What's that guy doing here? Um, obviously, you're going to find out where he's been. Mm -hmm. Uh, then we get something a little special, episode 12 of series 2, we get um, an episode called Dawn of the Reds, <laughs> which is 15 red shirts being killed in 12 minutes in ridiculous, ridiculous fashion. <laughs> it's our, and we've devised it, as, it's come up as a short film basically, so you can watch it without mm -hmm. knowing the rest of the series. That's in, the intention behind it is that you can drop in at that one and just enjoy it, and then hopefully go, oh, I want to know what the rest of it is. It's set slightly aside from the universe, so it's a, sort of a bubble episode, a little pocket episode. Oh, cool. And then we get the finale, which is... Um, pretty big and then series three hits where is in series three we just applied everything we've learned over the last two three years and it goes mad i mean it to, to sell it it opens up with a horse chase <laughs> yeah right i know we, we, we got we got our hands on a steady cam we got a we got we got a professional stunt team involved and this guy's like oh i've got lots of horses we can ride horses and i was like hells yeah so we open up with a horse chase um with broad swords and stuff and series three is is mental. I mean, it's like it smash. I, I, series one and two, I stand by them, and I say they're mm. great fun. But series three is like, it's it's really well made as well. I think mm -hmm. like series one has some forgivable errors. Like mm -hmm. the sound could be better. I think every web series in the universe, when they first out, just completely balls up. The oh god, yeah. Because at first, it, the investments aren't made into the microphones. They're no, made into it. getting the things that allow you to make it at all. And the biscuits. It's all about the biscuits. Well, no, we just didn't know. We say it was the first thing we'd done, and we didn't really understand how sound worked. Mm -hmm. And now we've become... I probably obsess more over the sound now than the picture, because I say, because it's a documentary, people will probably forgive... Yeah. If it's a little shaky, it's a bit shaky cam, it's a bit yeah, bare yeah. witch. But if the sound isn't there, mm -hmm. people are going to lose you. So we got a guy in for series three, and his wireless mics coming out with proper little Sennheiser packs and stuff, and everybody's mic'd up. And when I listen to the sound back, it's like they're just next to me, and I was like, oh, thank God for that. Nice. And um, yeah, series three is bananas. It's just, it just goes to a very, very big place in mm -hmm. comparison. And we're doing a shoot in September, and we're flipping a car for a shot. We've got a car flip going on, and we've got some wire kits, we're doing some wire pulls, people getting kicked down corridors, and stuff and we're going oh, all man. out and then that's the end series three is it? it's where it ends mm -hmm. um and that's not going to be out for like another year and a half mm -hmm. so we come we come back later in the year with series two mm -hmm. wrap series two this year come back at the beginning of next year with series three that'll run throughout the year mm -hmm. and then it's over ah. we know how it ends we know who survives we've written the scripts we're in pre-production <laughs> finding the budget and oh, then uh, gotta, yeah. look, gotta look forward to that one it's in 2014 yeah yeah long oh, way man. off is there any point when you look at those things like car flips and just kind of go, how on earth did we get here? Oh, God, absolutely. Episode mm -hmm. one started off on a cycle path in May 2010, and it was myself, a guy called Lloyd, who was a DOP, uh, Simon doing his special effects. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was the crew, three of us. Uh, the, 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 in terms of sound recording, we had we were using a, a, Canon, Canon X8, X8, <laughs> a Canon XHA1, which is like mm -hmm. a fixed lens camera, but it's got mm -hmm. a pretty decent microphone on the nicest one. It's documentary, so screw it. Mm -hmm. But it's directional, so we pointed it we'll point it away from somebody. Mm -hmm. lost, lost it, lost all of that. And uh, now, you know, to look at it now, we, we last shoot crew, nearly 25 people on the crew from three. Um, we've gone through almost 200 actors in the three series now, which is insane. Uh, yeah, I just it, it felt like it just it just steadily got bigger, and I don't think there's any point where it's a jarring leap either, where you suddenly go, oh, it's just quite mundane. Oh my God, where's all this come from? Mm -hmm. But yeah, there are days when I look around me, and there are people doing catering, there are people doing special effects, and people doing script continuity and super, supervising that. Um, you know, six people on the effects team, whatever people running doing, doing costumes. Oh, your jacket's not quite straight. I'm thinking, 
this is amazing. And it's all people who, almost everybody on the crew, have found the web series first, mm -hmm. enjoyed it, and emailed me to say, how do I get involved? And I say, you've just did. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> come along, and we'll find you a job to do. Because um, it's a big, you know, it's a sense of community behind it all mm -hmm. as well. People have been doing this for three years now. Mm -hmm. When people come in, they... They always go, it's great. I feel like I've been doing this from day one. I don't feel excluded or anything. You know, mm -hmm. just, uh, we're bringing a character called Beth Eliza into the um, into the series, who's played by actress Amelia Tyler, who's probably best known for being the voice of sci-fi TV, continuity ah. announcer a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, she found the series through a mutual friend. They were working together on a film shoot, and this guy called Lee Ravitz went, hey, check out this web series. You'll mm -hmm. love it. She started emailing us, and we just started getting, you know, professional actors. We had um, Jen Jordan, who's uh, Jennifer Jordan, who's in... Um, the series as, the, as, as my girlfriend. She's a professional actress. Um, I sometimes delve into professional theatre mm -hmm. when I'm allowed to. Um, but yeah, we just found as we went on, more and more people of a higher calibre were more willing to come and just do small, tiny roles mm -hmm. just to be in it. Mm -hmm. Is the uh, YouTube channel just I Am Tim? Or? Uh, yeah, well, they got the web, probably best to go to the website, which mm -hmm. is amazing. I'm made by a couple of people who do all of our web stuff, and the, the website is just www.iamtimhelsing.com. Mm -hmm. If you just Google I Am Tim, mm -hmm. you're going to get the web page, you're going to get the Twitter, you're going to get the YouTube channel. Uh, it's all up there. Just, yeah, probably the best bet. Google it. Google I Am Tim. Mm -hmm. You're going to find everything, like, straight at the top as well. Like, the first ten hits is mm -hmm. us now. Fantastic. Thanks so much for talking to Thanks, me. I'll, I'll let you get back to your booth. Cheers. <laughs> That was Tim. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't Tim. Can you remember the name of the person? Should we do a competition if I don't can remember his name? I can't. I just remember Tim. There's a lot of Tim. Tim, Tim, Tim. Tim Helsing. Very nice interview, Harry. Jamie, you're an awesome and memorable guy. Don't listen to them. <laughs> and thank you, Rob. Yes. Uh, yes, I was tweeting out. Also, someone uh, <laughs> talked to us on the Twitter while that was happening. And there's a Dalek by the name of Zoff. Don't worry, you've not missed the husband's interview yet. It is coming up. Okay. The husband? Husbands. Oh, right. Tim has a husband? No. He has several? The, the interview with the husbands, the, uh, the, TV, the web series. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry, I was a bit confused for a second there. Is that the Jane Espen one? Uh, yes, Jane Espen and Brad Bell. Ah, right. Although people will remember Jane Espen from a lot of other things. Ah, right. She's, uh, she's been around the block writing. Yeah, <laughs> you also managed to catch up with the uh, Tech Koya guys as well. Yes. Now, Israel's I, I interested in this one. Cause I he's love just... going to the gaming section at MCM. It's, it's always this thing that, um, although, stunningly, Capcom didn't have their, their ringside booth this year. Normally, they've got a big, um, soft boxing ring, which they've been showcasing next as Marvel vs. Uh, title in. And it's a great place to sit down. Mm. Not, not, not this year, though. They just had a normal floor thing. Uh, but they did have a lot of really cool games available in the gaming section still. Tecmog Koi were there with Dynasty Warriors 8, which it's, it just keeps on going. If it's just eight. It feels like it should be a higher number than that. Yeah, Israel's playing seven at the moment. Yeah, I've just started playing seven, and it's the first um, experience I've had with the Dynasty Warriors series, and it's pretty cool. I haven't played oh, anymore right. after the Gundam one. Well, I mean, they did like Dynasty Warriors, then they did Samurai Warriors, then they did Dynasty Warriors, no, then they did Warriors Orochi, yeah. then they did Dynasty Warriors Gundam. Then they did like Warriors Orochi Z and two and stuff like that, and now yeah. it's back to did you know, and they have Dynasty Warriors and Dynasty Warriors Empires, which is up to like 
God knows however many as yeah. well. And yeah. the One Piece Pirate Warriors is a reskinned version of that as well. And 99 Nights is a reskinned version of it as well. <laughs> Gets about. <laughs> it's the thing that I I wonder if they've copyrighted their One versus Thousands battle style because yeah, they seem to own it. Yes. Uh, although One versus Thousands it's a very interesting battle style to go into. Oh, uh Genji Days of, Days of the Blade also did the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, it does make you feel like you're... It not only is it, it absolutely fun, it's also like, I am definitely this god emperor person because yeah. I can mow down ten people with a single swing. Ha 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 ha. Genji Days of the Blade was kind of a cross between Onimusha and Dynasty Warriors. Oh, wow. That's weird. Oh, I loved Onimusha. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's a game series. Except for, oh. except for Dawn of Dreams or whatever it was called. That mm. last one. Doesn't exist. No, not in this dojo. Uh, it ended yeah. with Jean Reno. Let's leave it at that. There's <laughs> got to be a better way let, to let, say his name. It sounds so terrible in English. Yeah, I know. But uh, like most things, they should end with Jean Reno. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, we've got Harry managed to catch up with the guys from Dynasty Warriors 8. It's a Geek Show interview with Marilyn from Tecmo Koi. Hello. Hello. How is it going? How's this weekend? It's nearly over, so probably pretty tired at this point. God, yeah, very tired. Um, it's nearly over, but not over yet. I think we've got a good six, seven hours to go. I'm still very busy, expecting many more people to show up. Oh, yeah, just got to take lots of sugar and power on through. We try, we try. We had some community members bring us cakes and cupcakes yesterday in Aww. the booth, which were really, really tasty. Thank them very much. And, uh, yeah, we're, so we're on a sugar high uh, for most of Saturday. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm glad there was so much help going on and like community support for uh, Dynasty Warriors 8, the series that just keeps on going and getting stronger. It's, <laughs> yeah. pretty, it's pretty amazing for anything to get to the number 8. I mean, what can people uh, expect to see from this iteration? Recurring theme with Dynasty Warriors is basically it's uh, taking up the historical period of the Romans and the Three Kingdoms in, in China. That's about um, maybe 180, 200 AD. So it follows that kind of storyline. Um, and each iteration that comes out, like Dynasty Warriors 7, for example, um, so Dynasty Warriors 8 is kind of following the same storyline, but um, with um, with more characters into the mix. Um, a very interesting thing about Dynasty Warriors 8 is that the development team in Japan has actually gone back and redesigned all of the stages. They looked at what um, kind of ancient China um, might have looked like uh, geographically, the battle, the battle scenes, the castles, the ravines, the harbors. They kind of rebuilt all of the stages, basing it on on kind of that historical uh, period. So it's like 44 new stages. Oh wow! And um, yeah, they, they they look pretty amazing. Sweet. So a lot of stuff for the old fans to look forward to, as well as a lot of the continued stuff for the new fans to look forward to. Definitely. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, how do you describe Dynasty Warriors to someone who's not played it before? Because it's it's pretty much the only thing that uses its own combat system. I think there's not that many who are copying it at the moment. Um, yeah, it's it's a one versus thousands um, tactical action game. Um, I think that's that's the best way to to describe it. It's uh, Dynasty Warriors. It was like one of the first games that did a one versus thousand system, and it's kind of keep, keeps coming back with that and it's what fans love um, about the game so yeah it's not many games you get to do that with normally it's a thing that you know you are one versus thousands but you get to fight them maybe three at a time and then you can feel like you're really just the sneakiest person rather than the strongest but Dinosaur Warriors like plow into people and just become like 
I am the general. I'm proving it. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Maybe without without the laughter in the end, though some of the characters do that too. I think. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that's pretty much it. You can just build up your character, you power up, you you have your skills improve, and your and your level go up, and you just go out there and, and basically clear a battlefield on on your own with help from your allied um, allied officers and and your your army. So. Yeah, so a lot of a great combination of all this historical stuff and atmosphere, along with just outright fun and all the uh, just enjoyment of the tactical battles going on. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, most all of the characters are based on on true historical figures of the time, um, but obviously they've been taken to a kind of fantasy and game level rather than than keeping it strict. Um, so they're all kind of out there fighting. You have your pick between more than 70 characters. Um, there's, I think, pretty much someone for everyone, for every gamer out there that wants to, to play the game, they'll find somebody they like in Dynasty Warriors. It's fantastic. All of our games have, have online uh, co-op, uh, so yeah, you could be able to clear a level with the uh, help of a friend, um, which is always... <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, it's always fun, and, and they're always kind of someone is up there from somewhere around the world that will want to play play along with you. Um, we can't actually reveal too much information about about what other new stuff the game will have, but we'll definitely have more more characters, uh, playable characters for all kingdoms. Um, and yeah, the the new stages and a couple of new modes. So I'm I'm pretty sure that it'll be uh, satisfactory to the fans. Sweet. People keep an eye on the Facebook and uh, Twitter pages and then look forward to the game coming out. Uh, when about will be coming out? And for what consoles? It's coming out for PS3 and Xbox 360 on July 12th. And, uh, yeah, just our Facebook is the best way to kind of keep uh, informed about our games. It's uh, facebook.com slash games. Fantastic. It's been lovely talking to you. Have a great expo. Yeah, thank you very much for coming over. Hi, I'm Destiny Blue, the anime artist, and I like drawing and The Geek Show, which you are currently listening to. We are now coming into our review section. <laughs> First up is Rob. So how was After Earth? Uh, if I could use one word, it would, but because it's radio, I can't. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, After Earth, it's the latest film from M. Night Shyamalan, and the basic idea was brought up by uh, Will Smith. And the basic idea is that Earth has been ruined by humanity. Everything's... You can't live on Earth anymore, so... It's just a mass exodus some point in the future, and they go to Nova Prime. Very creative title there, Mr. Shemalian. And uh, when I they thought get Nova there, Prime was a Transformer. Sure don't interrupt. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. You're close enough for me to slap you in the face. This is true. Uh, I'm not. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Well played, Harry. <laughs> that was great. Uh, as I was saying, they land on Nova Prime, and this place is occupied by things called Ursas, which are monsters which... Pr- they've got no eyes, they've got no ears, they just sense fear, and they kill people through their fear. It's a thing called ghosting, which is essentially you're killing the fear so you can kill these Ursas. That's the sort of setup. And uh, the characters played in it are Will Smith, who's Cypher. Very clever. Very, very clever. See what you did there, and his son retire, and they don't get on. Will Smith plays a sort of very stern, fatherly figure. He's a military man, so he doesn't really say a lot. He doesn't feel feelings or anything, and retire just wants him to be respected by his father. So they go on a training mission, and inevitably the plane or the spaceship crashes, 
And where do they crash? The one place they don't want to crash. Earth. Now, it's been uh, cited in the advertising campaign that Earth has evolved to kill man. Kill man. So that's the kind of, the basic gist of it. They crashed two survivors, Will Smith and his son Jaden. And he's got to get to the other end of the ship to get a, a escape beacon. And that's the basic gist of it. The problem with it is, it's utter poppycock. What? It's, it's nepoti- nepotism at its worst. Nepotism, you know, keep it in the family. Yeah. And Will Smith came up with the idea and the whole thing was basically written or made as a vehicle for his son Jaden. Now Jaden is awful. <laughs> he's really awful. <laughs> I know he's not beating around the bush and saying it, but it's just one of these things. He would not have a career if his dad wasn't Will Smith. Mm. This is true. He, he, a lot of the film is uh, he's going through problems as an incident in the past and he wants to reconnect with his father and the way he progresses this is by you know, sort of expresses this is like a kid who's not getting his latest toy at the supermarket so it doesn't really sell the whole gravitas of the idea but I, will, I won't go on too much longer the basic problem with it is the story is of zero consequence the action sequences are badly framed and everything that's chasing people is CG which only feels half finished which is kind of a product of the 3D thing. It's got to look a certain way so they can yeah. project it 3D-wise. Uh, but essentially, the problem is it's just so bland. It's boring. It's got nothing to say. The characters have barely cared one way or another if they died. And eventually, it's just one of these films... Uh, M. Night Shyamalan is known <laughs> for... Uh, sure, he's known for his twists. Bad twists. Stupid twists. But I wish there was one in this, because at least then there'd be something, to, you know, say that's that's what that's what this film is, that's what I can talk about. But no, it doesn't have anything. It's just it's there, like mold in the corner. They should have had the Bobby Ewing ending then, and uh, you know, Will Smith in the shower. Where, I will, I will say this: is, uh, yeah, man, Tim Riddle. There's two post-humanity films out this year, and Oblivion, although really bad and flawed, it's still better than this. And Oblivion wasn't that good. No, yeah, it's one to uh, miss after Earth. Yeah. Also concerned uh, family relationships and finding distress beacons, well, beacons and getting them and repairing them. Actually, yeah, if that's a point. Really want to find family relationships and repairing beacons for some reason as the specific thing they want out of sci-fi. Just watch Doctor Who. We don't need to make new and terrible films in order to hit this niche. <laughs> Oblivion. Uh, yes, <laughs> we've been talking about that. Is it? It's cool. I know. Yeah, it's not good after Earth. I mean, he's after Avatar, The Happening, and now this. Shemalian's a hack. He's a total yeah. hack. Is, is The Happening in one of those films, or is that what we're subtitling it? Avatar, The Happening. No, no, no The, the ha- Happening. We acknowledge that it happened. We don't want to acknowledge the rest of it. The Happening actually had a good actor in, Mark Wahlberg, the ha- who yeah, the we happening. quite like. The Happening was the film where everybody was getting killed by wind. Oh, <laughs> it's as dark really? as it sounds. Yeah, wind like the element wind, or wind like M Night Shyamalan has made the worst curry in existence. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little uh, bit of both. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B. Hollywood, <laughs> make that film. Yeah, want to avoid then. I think only Israel actually understood what I said. Yeah, I understood what he said. Uh, right, so moving on, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Bakuman. Yeah, today I'll be talking about Bakuman, based on the manga. Moritaka and uh, Atiko Tagai are pretty much falls for each other. Uh, on an average, ninth grade student, but talented art. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
the ins and out of radio. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get job with those worm cat things. See what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah, Bagway was ninth grade student, but a talented artist. And Takai, an overall average ninth grade student, but an aspiring artist. Uh, artist, art writer. <laughs> God, I really need to check what I'm writing. After a great convincing uh, Takai, oh, <laughs> words, words. No, they've they left me now. Pretty much the join up together to become uh, Manikas uh, after he's persuaded him to do so, and he hopes to become a successful Manikas. Mangaka. Uh, mangaka. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like manga artist. Yeah, 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 the manga artist. The manga artist. Manga artist, not mangaka. Yeah. He hopes to marry the girl. Just how he in the background. Just how You know Mars Attacks, Harry? The aliens in Mars Attacks. That's what you did there. He uses his gifts of arts and hopefully to win the girl over and marry him. Marry her. The animation was uh, with uh, JC Staff. Uh, much anticipated anime adaption. You'd expect some really good animation from the studio. Delivers fluid movement and great attention to detail. Cool. The characters, uh, it's just beginning to touch on the characters' details and the histories of the backgrounds of them all. Uh, just the iceberg, really. The two central progress develop reasonably well as they embark on a quest to become published manga artists. Stan is typical teenagers uh, that manage through life with no real distraction uh, or interest to whatever they're doing and the cha- all the stuff changes around them as they try to produce successes from all the failures that they have. Uh, despite the pleasing development of the main two, the strange uh, secondary cast members steals all the limelight and creates a wonderful diverse set of uh, personalities, in particular the teenage prodigy, Edgy. Uh, well-placed cliffhangers to keep audience eager to watch more. The audience learns somewhat how to be a manga artist and publish their work in Japan. Uh, a bit negative attitude towards women, I've noticed a bit. And uh, the romance in Bakuman is a bit childish at times. I can recommend uh, Bakuman to anyone and I'm looking forward to watching the second part of the season. Cool. Excellent, and that's it. Well, that was all of season one you watched. Indeed, it was. So it's season two you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. um, Either way, I'll still it's work interesting on the you mention, It's interesting you mentioned the whole sexism bit because yeah. it is something that is prevalent in quite a lot of anime. I, yeah, I noticed it really like a lot in this show like compared to most mm. of the other ones. It's the guy who did Death Note, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's total sexist. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I had to explain this to Rob. I had a problem with Death Note within the first like five, six minutes of watching the show. Yeah. Because there was a major... <clears throat> plot hole mm-hmm. in that time everyone's like oh what plot hole there wasn't anything I'm like no Light is sitting in a school yeah. right the school has a courtyard right mm-hmm. where the death note falls yeah. and this courtyard has windows yeah. obviously Light is looking out the window apparently he's the only kid in a school sitting next to the window yeah. looking out the window mm-hmm. hmm it, it's just a bit ever heard of the word logic, words logical fallacy yeah it's the the thing is that most anime do has does have some level of sexism with it. Yeah, yeah. Some more than others, where they want to include some way more than others. Oh, definitely. Some far more. Dude, Bakuman is really the lower end of the pool. It's fine. It's fine. Yes. Like the shallow end. I do like um, the name drops as well. Yeah. Especially the Dragon Ball parts. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. And unless you've been living under a, if you're if you're an anime fan, or even a manga fan. Unless you've been living under a rock for the past several years, you will have heard of K-On! Mm-hmm. Right? Um, after, stu- after school tea time, do return in the second se- series of K-On! 
And there, the thing is, uh, if you if you're familiar with the whole way that Kaon came about, I've read chapter one, and that's right. about it. Well, it's based on the uh, it, it. It's a series of light novels li- mm-hmm. written by. Uh, sorry, not a series of light novels. It's a, a it's a four panel, a four comma man, uh, manga comic, written and illustrated by uh, Kakifli. Uh, that was first published in 2007. Now, Kaon deals with uh, four, originally four high school girls who form the Light Music Club at their high school. And uh, it was very kind of charming and cute and uh, light and fluffy and everything like that. And then they got a junior called As- uh, Azza and... Uh, sorry, Azusa, and everything kind of went on from there. Well, I get confused. There's Azusa and Asuza, mm-hmm. right? So easy to confuse them, but yeah. Anyway, the original <laughs> anime were, the original anime came out in two thousand and nine. The se- uh, season two, which this is, came out originally in two thousand and ten. Now, there are a lot of things that you could say about Kaon, but the one that encompasses all of them is that it's light and fluffy. Yeah, everything about this is light and fluffy. The whole story is light and fluffy. There's nothing really kind of serious about it. Mm-hmm. It's all just kind of... It's all fluff, but it's not all... Unlike the first series, it's not all nonsense this time. Mm-hmm. There is an actual point to it. It's a, In a sense, it kind of reminded me a bit of Aria, the origination. There was a focus to this because the four girls who've, who originally reformed the Light Music Club, uh, Mogi, uh, Mio... Ritsuko and uh, Yui. They, uh, and that is how you pronounce their names, America, right? Get off your bandwagon. No, Ish. I'll get on my bandwagon. Sorry. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's Yui, not Yui. What the hell is Yui? I saw a mental image and that was great. Oh, all, all I imagine was one of those polecats that you get in like, oh, Japanese I, gonna, films like, where you just like, run. I'm going to be on top of the hair wing <laughs> declaiming this to the world. Right, anyway, moving on. <laughs> I think Chris is having to take a break. We might have broken. Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Where was it? Yeah, uh, the girls are in their final year. They are graduating and they're worried about their junior, right? You don't need to use the word kohai. It's junior, right? Azusa's going to be left alone in yeah. the light music club. So obviously they're, you know, they're concerned about their future and also the future of the Light Music Club. They don't want everything to break down after they've gone everything like that, right. which is which adds that kind of focus to it. Mm-hmm. And it is you you really can tell that there is a point to the story this time, uh, or to, and to all the ongoing running gag stuff like that. Uh, now newcomers to the franchise may be a little bit surprised at the simple yet overtly cute character designs, but the weird thing is. Uh, Kyoto Animation, KyoAni, have done a really good job with this, and the simple, simplistic character designs—they give way to some really expressive features, uh, body language, and gestures. Right? The characters are very, very expressive in the physical sense. You know, um, the way they move, the way they talk, the facial expressions—they are very, very expressive characters. Um, They are fluffy characters. You know, they are light and fluffy characters. They even made a song about light and fluffy time. So, yeah. the you know the sim- animation is also generally very simplistic, following on from the first series. Like the first series, though, Kyoani have also uh, have again focused most of their attention 
on musical scenes and on the opening and closing sequences, mm. which are actually very very well done. If you look at just the general uh, look, if you look at the rest of the show and compare yeah. it with the times when the girls are actually playing music or with the opening and closing th- sequences, there's a world of difference in the uh, in the level of animation, in the detail, everything like that. Is it kind of like the the bits and angel beats where Girl Demo were playing, and you're like, "What? Where did this quality suddenly come from? Yes. Everything's shiny and golden." And well, it, it is like that, which is one of my main issues with Angel Beat. The thing is, it works with Kaon because it's not as obvious, right? Um, it's not as obvious, uh, uh, and most people, uh, you know, a lot of people won't actually care about this difference. Um, as ever, Kaon places a great emphasis on the music that the girls play, and although the songs are light and fluffy. Um, like the song about Corey, not the one by Dr. Bombay. For those of you who know about Dr. Bombay, we are never playing that song. Um, <laughs> there are some Wrong decent effects in the show, uh, but these are limited in their usage as there's only so much you can do with a high school slice of life sitcom. You know, uh, apart from like birds tweeting in the background or the sound of le- wind through the leaves, stuff like that. You know, the clip clop of shoes, that's it. It's, you know, it's not asking for like lasers or anything like that, is it? Um, there's always room for lasers. There's always yes. Uh, there's always room for lasers. Like many slices of life. Yes. Like many slice of life shows, Kaon lives and dies by its script, and unfortunately, the dialogue doesn't quite match up to the images on the screen. One prime example of this is very early on in the show when they uh, when they're trading in a guitar and they're using dollars. But then, you know, they're still talking dollars, and you think, fine, use dollars. There's no problem with it. Until they hold up the bills. And the bills are clearly yen, saying, like, 10,000 yen. And they're saying, no, it's $1,000. You're like, no, it isn't. It says 10,000 yen. It actually says 10,000. It's got a picture of a Japanese guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you want me to do? Superimpose a dollar over it? No, just use yen. Why can't yeah, you just, just use yen? Just use it's... yen instead. Otherwise, we get one of these weird country confusions, like how Yu-Gi-Oh is set in the United States of Japan, America. Yeah, where it doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it's the United States of Jamaican. <laughs> yeah, Jamaican. Jamaican. Twenty-two yeah. minute. Oh, no, Jamaican. It's, it's where Jamiroquai was born. Oh. <laughs> I'll listen to Jamiroquai now. <laughs> Virtual insanity. Yeah. Anyway, uh, script turns, the script can sometimes be a little mon- uh, mundane, but these occasions are often uh, set up for the humorous, uh, for some humorous event. Uh, and the overall dialogue is pretty decent. Uh, in comparative terms, the Japanese dub is superior to the English one, but the latter is definitely watchable if you're not picky about the details and can ignore the usage of senpai, kohai, uh, chan, that sort of thing. Uh, unfortunately, the voice acting isn't as good as it could have been in the English dub. There is one major problem. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. One, uh, one big but little problem. They're, all the problems are relatively minor, uh, and they're all mainly caused by the actors trying to imagine what a slightly ditzy high school girls sound like, right? And all the voice actresses here, mm-hmm. you know, they're all like mid twenties to uh, to mid thirties, yeah. And they're trying to imagine what a sixteen, seventeen year old high school girl who's slightly ditzy and, and likes music sounds like. It's called acting. Yes, it's called acting. Yes. I know it's called acting. Do, you know, it's I know it's easy. called acting, but there's certain things that you that you that you kind of overcompensate for. Cassandra Lee, who, the one who plays Ritiko, actually sounds the most natural. She sounds like she fits the role. Yeah. The rest of them, you can see, you can actually hear them acting, and that's the point. 
You're not supposed to hear the acting. You make it sound like uh, a dirty thing. All I can hear <laughs> is John Lovitz in the back of my head drawing <laughs> acting. Yes. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I get what he means. It sounds like um, the Fruits Basket anime, which was atrocious. Yes. Where you can hear the actors basically reading their lines and trying to make the voice at uh, the same time. That's what he means. Yes. Where it's kind of struggling. It's like, okay, I need to say this, but be more meek. So, I'm saying this, but being more meek. Okay, that's good exactly job, it, good Harry. Job. That's exactly it. Who the but, actor? You the actor. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> the character, all of the characters are, uh, you know, they're kind of much of a muchness. You'll ha- you will end up having your particular favourite character, but you won't really be a huge fan of them unless you're really into the whole Moe thing, right? Um, overall, Kaon, the second series of Kaon does retain much of the charm and humour of the original series, but there's a degree of refinement, uh, mainly because of the fact that the original four characters, uh, the original four girls, are in their final year of high school. Uh, the anime does serve up a healthy dose of light and, light and fluffy nonsense, and it will appeal to anyone who jo- enjoys slice-of-life sitcoms or anyone who just wants something, you know, a little bit humorous, a little bit charming, everything like that, and you can't get your hands on Aria. What? That's it. And now, hmm. yes, for the grand finale. Yes, last one. <laughs> Journey. Uh, the collector's edition know this. Yes. Uh, it feels like we're a bit late to the party as regards to Journey, but I never really bother with it because it's one of these things where it's got so much critical acclaim that it can't possibly live up to it. But it is the first time it's been available on disc. It is the first time it's been available on disc, and it's a package of that game company games. And uh, also you get Floor, which is the first thing I did. It was kind of like a, it's a trial version of Six Axis where you're a little fish and you go around eating all the other little big little fish. Get bigger, you go down a level, down a level, down a level, down a level. Classic arcade puzzler sort of thing. And there's Flower, which I think was then getting really a bit more of a reputation, which is exactly what you're saying, the tin. You're a petal and you go around the open landscape collecting all the flowers and it looks very pretty. And it's another trial for six axis. And Journey is kind of the culmination of the two. You can see elements of each in the game. And the thing about Journey is it's all predicated on it's been a, a great online experience. I never played it like that. I played it in solo player, but it's it still worked fantastically. Because it's just the sense of place, the sense of environment. And you as a little guy, and you're just going through the world. And what was refreshing about it is it's just the least aggressive game I could imagine playing. Because all games, it's, like, it's competitive, it's a bit of aggression. You're beating something up. Uh, yeah, being aggressive. There's explosions. It's clearly aggressive. But this is just a game. It's relaxing. It's nice. And there's a point in a game. Like, there's little bits where you think this is just wonderful. Like there's a you meet these creatures which feel like there's something from floor, which are just um, like dolphins really. And it's just a lovely moment. And then you keep on going. You keep on going through the game, and you see the first threat. And it's almost as effective as a horror film. It's just you feel a real fear that your character's going to mm. get hurt because you spend so much time just you, him, the environment. It's very well done. And it's just one of those games where you... I loved it. I hate saying this because I just played it, finished it yesterday, but it's one of the best games I've played in such an incredibly long time. It's, 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 it's wonderful. And that's the main draw of this, the package. Uh, journey, given the title, it's yeah, it's great. Uh, but there's also some other things in there as well, like little sort of throwaway extra additions to the package. There's a game called Nostril Shot, 
which <laughs> is uh, like it's an old sc- <laughs> very very sounds like a game I can play so, nah scroll shot it's not what you think it is it's like a 1990s uh, maybe 80s 2D uh, shoot em up mm-hmm. sort of a edge towards Contra but you're this little little fellow and you've got an upper mode with horns and there is uh, Duke War which I tried it but it's a pretty difficult game it's a tower defence thing it's all very a line and yeah. piece of paper art style which is is interesting it's very nice and uh, Gravediggers which is super super old school we're talking like a uh, spectrum we're talking Manic Miner type thing yeah it's really gone back a bit in the graphics which is, it's got its appeal it's one of these things you can throw on for five minutes it's not going to break the mould of anything but it's just a nice diversion but overall as a package it's what like it's going to be 20 quid when it's released uh, about that yeah and even if it's just for having Journey and a digital like a analog format it's it's well worth getting because Journey is it's just worth the hype and probably lend some yeah. which I never expected because you know when the game's got that much praise you think is it going to really be that good and then you am I going to be disappointed you, you tried it for the first time at my place and uh... it's, it's just the relaxing feeling it? it's yeah. not a game where you have to it's a game what the game industry never knew it actually needed yeah and now it's here it's yeah you, you're absolutely right about that anyway um, we are going to be going for some interviews this time uh, first up is uh, Jane Espen who is uh, involved in Husbands uh, then will be uh, Weeble who's Weeble Harry what do you not read the show notes I give you Weeble and Bob uh, <laughs> is this okay first interview will be Jane Espen and Brad Bell the uh, producers writers directors creators of the YouTube show Husbands yes uh, and the second one will be Weeble uh, aka Weeble and Bob Weeble yes. Stuff aka Jaunty Picking ah. uh, and he's a massive flash animation person making all kinds of ridiculous web series it's very random very fun very northern I remember uh, Weeble and Bob Okay, there we go then. Yeah, but uh, 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 you just called it Weeble, not Johnny Picking. <laughs> He's got a name too. He just prefers Weeble. You're kind of missing the point here, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes. there are interview. Uh, there's an interview with uh, what's her face and Weeble, um, Johnny Picking. I've forgotten one name. Wow, uh, Jane Espen. That's it. <laughs> wow, and hopefully I'll get a chance between them to actually chat about the dealers in the yes. Expo. Uh, Comic Con. Oh man. Yes. Hopefully. Oh, or maybe Play afterwards. The yes. <laughs> Play the interview, Rob. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Lovely to meet you. I'm glad to see Husbands getting some proper attention because it, yeah. I feel like it, uh, some YouTube series they have their own little fan followings, but they need to be everywhere. Really, they deserve more. Like, I, I see that Husbands has, has it gotten to the second series, increased the fan base quite a bit, as well as the Q and A that happened at uh, VidCon, mm-hmm. kind of increased it a bit. Uh, how has uh, your interaction with the fans actually been from the series? It's incredible. Incredibly positive, yeah. yeah. It's very cool. Um, and it grows every time, every um, year when we go back to something that we've been to, like VidCon. Uh, our first VidCon, we noticed a, a big increase in the audience. Our second VidCon was a bigger room and, and filled the room. And yeah, yeah it's cool. Yeah, we, we, ha- we sort of have a slate of conventions we attend every year, and that's good for fan outreach. And we both tweet, um, <laughs> which means now that there's always a two-way communication going with the fans. We like yeah. to play with tropes, and we sort of, on the show, we play with sitcom conventions, and in the comic book, we play with comic book conventions, and yeah, we're all, that fourth wall is in trouble when we're when we're around. Well, but we never break the fourth wall on the show, right. and I like that, because, um, and that's very much like the way 
we talk, and I think it's because of the industry that we're in. So we'll we'll be telling a story, and and we'll say, you know, we had a couple drinks. Cut to right. 2 a.m. Interior <laughs> strip bar. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so it it works because it is breaking the fourth wall without breaking the fourth wall. It's almost nodding to it. Yeah, it's the way people break the fourth wall figuratively in natural conversation. Mm-hmm. So the character of Cheeks is an actor lives in a world populated by actors, so speaks like a script without actually being aware that he is in a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you find, obviously you read your scripts, you perform your episodes, then you've got the comic book coming out. Mm-hmm. Do you read it avidly, seeing what's happened in this alternate universe that's on print instead? What's happened to your character? Yeah, no, absolutely. And especially when it came out in the book, you know, like seeing it digitally as digital comics was fun and, and quirky. Like, oh, hmm, that's, that's cool. Um, but then seeing it in a book was it really came to life and um, and all the ren- the renderings of me were very flattering. I was um, <laughs> always very happy to see that. Um, and I liked to sort of give the artist freedom, you know I mean, you have to give them something as far as what is happening in this panel. Um, but I didn't go too much into description and I, I wanted them to sort of run wild with what they wanted to do and, and so you gave them artistic license to some absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely and so we would get the pages as the artist would draw them we'd get them and we'd approve them um, and there were a few times we were like this doesn't seem quite clear we can't tell that this is a wig that's being taken off in this can you make that clear mm-hmm. um but very little like pretty much mm-hmm. we just let them draw what they wanted to draw because these are we're really good artists so mm-hmm. Uh, but that was always interesting when those pages would show up in your email because it would be like, like, how did what we write? Did we write these panels right? Did, did we mm-hmm. give the artist enough to convey what we wanted to convey? This is kind of an exclusive. This is uh, some new information. Yeah. But uh, the new material that we're that we've done for season three is somewhat of a prequel to the comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, well. It is. Except that if, if it's hanging on the wall, it can't be a prequel. They clearly No, are. that's later. I'm talking about the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a prequel mm-hmm. and a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are, are you taking another side? Because like with the first season, there was more like the marriage equality, and then the second was more public like opinions and like, mm-hmm. how they mm-hmm. take it. Are you going to take it in another direction and reflect on it in season three? Sort of, yeah. I think there's different... Um, elements of the same story to tell, you know, how are we perceived by the public as a couple, um, what, you know, why are we the poster children and, and for all gay people everywhere, um, you know, are we setting a bad example or are we just doing what any straight couple would, would do and, and just exploring different realms of that conversation, um, domestic, public, intimate, fame, nor- normal person. <laughs> And, yeah, and always bringing it back to this relationship. Because at the heart, it's about a relationship, um, not about a cause. Mm-hmm. It's, and so uh, bringing it back to, are Cheeks and Brady going to make it? Is right. really what are they making it work for themselves? Exactly. Right. That and, and that's what marriage is, is yeah. what works for them and for any couple. Which actually speaks better to the cause than waving the flag. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you may see stories that are more, a little more intimate and domestic, um, uh, with less of a big press angle. And I think that even the more intimate and domestic stories still have that um, socio-political satire and commentary because yeah. we can't really, at least I can't. You could probably write a story without all that. Yeah, I mean, we could just do, they, they argue over... Um, right. Whatever. But, they, but, but it's, it's not, you feel uninspired when you're doing it. You're like, right. what, what is this about? Like, what's the bigger idea here? Right. 
yeah, we definitely set out with there. This is a show with an idea at the heart, with a with a reason to reason to tell it. Mm -hmm. So, with that level of awareness, when you were originally writing the show and the characters, mm -hmm. were you going through like, okay, so here's things that the straight community might be against. Should we kind of look into that? Here's what the gay community might be weird about. Should we try and tailor it, or are we just like, here is the characters, here is a narrative arc. People can either deal with it or not like it. Here we go. Like. More the second one. Yeah, more the second <laughs> one. Um, I, and sometimes as we're writing the story, I will find something um, in the scene like, oh, this would be a good moment to... Make a point about... Right, yeah, this is an interesting parallel or, or analogy for this, and, and we have some room for some commentary here. Or um, I'll be reading you know, comments on some news story uh, on, on a gay blog or on a conservative blog, and I'll see sort of this idea that people have and I'll think well that's a completely bullshit idea <laughs> like why this is a fallacy why are people acting as if this is true and and find a way for that to work in the story that we're telling or or tell the story that you know if, if I have a passionate reaction to that then we start there like what intimate domestic uh, marriage equality sort of story angle um, would work to communicate that idea mm -hmm. Where do you develop your storylines? I know you see, mm -hmm. like you said, Brad, you said you, know, you see something in the news and right. it inspires you, but me as a writer, when I drive a story, sometimes I let the character push me. I think, well, sure. my character will behave this way to a certain reaction. Yeah. How do you approach it? A couple of different things. One of the things that we do is we go back and we look at classic TV and we go, what are classic stories that have been told about newlyweds? Yeah. How are they changed by the same-sex situation? Mm -hmm. um, that's one. And how way. are they the same? Yeah. We also think about like what are just basic topics that Sheiks and Brady would have different takes on, mm -hmm. um, or relationships themselves. Um, yeah. I know that I'm I'm regularly thinking with my boyfriend. Like the other day, I was about to kill a spider, and my boyfriend was like, "You're gonna kill it? I would set it free." And I'm like, "Really? You're gonna set it free? <laughs> like, are you that guy? You're, you're gonna take the spider and put it outside?" <laughs> He's like, "That's what I would do." <laughs> Here I am with a shoe. <laughs> Fine, set it free. You know, if I kill it, I'm gonna be the bad boyfriend. So, um, things like that. You know, that could be a whole conversation. Absolutely. And then you know, Brady's like the sweet and kind one, and and what does that say about Cheeks that he was gonna kill the spider? And do I really know him? And <laughs> Absolutely. You've had a selection of celebrity guests. Oh. Yeah. I was gonna ask, I was gonna ask the same thing. <laughs> Any hints on who might pop up? for season three or is it top secret? It oh, is like, top secret, is but top you've, secret. Given, a, you've given a hint somewhere a hint. else so you could probably give that hint again. Oh, uh, yeah, we do have a, a, a guest star um, who's who's just a doll. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when can we look forward to the new stuff coming out? August. Uh, August. August. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, this is the Geek Show interview with Weevil. Do you have a normal name or is Weevil? I do, my name's John T. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, John T. Viking. Yes, that's right. But I hate my last name, so Weebo's, Weeble's good. Fair enough. Interview with John T. Weeble. So, <laughs> uh, this is your first expo. How are you finding it? Is there an overwhelming sea of fans? How's it going? It's, it's, it's pretty good, actually. I mean, looking over at Tom's goes here as well, with his massive queue oh, of yeah. people, it's like, whoa, I don't <laughs> think I could actually handle that many people. So it's nice that it's like our sort of people... Uh, people that want to come and see us it's like they come in little bunches and you get a little bit of a break and it's like oh I was quite intense okay breathe and then the next one comes so I'm, I'm kind of yeah it's nice it's kind of semi-relaxed and then at the same time sort of like oh 
Lord is quite daunting at times. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, for people who haven't uh, heard of you before, A, where have you been for the last 10 years? Clearly not on the internet. Uh, and B, uh, you create Weeble Stuff as well as the Weeble and Bob comedy. It went Weeble and Bob and then everyone went to Weeble Stuff. Yeah. Did you, did, uh, when did that expansion exactly happen or the, the transition? I was just kind of, because I was running, there was always Weeble Stuff and then Weeble and Bob kind of got hosted by a company called Jolt, mm-hmm. who used to run all the like game servers, yeah. well not all the game servers obviously, mm-hmm. but a fair bunch of them in the UK, mm-hmm. and they said you can have free hosting for even Bob, that's great. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was hosting everything on my uh, Blue Yonder, I believe they were called, oh, yeah. uh, space, which wasn't massive, mm-hmm. so at some point I had to start in, like paying for servers and mm-hmm. such like, and it was like, that was two grand a month at the time. Which was oh, like, wow. So everything just went over there because obviously when ad revenues sort of had to be used to pay for stuff, mm-hmm. it made more sense for everything to go over there. And then hence, Weeble stuff as it was, was born, I guess. Oh, fair enough. Purely practical, really. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, it's a lot easier to maintain one site. Mm-hmm. Of course, these days it's all YouTube and then you've got to be on Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr and it's like, oh, <laughs> Everything that I was against is happening all over again, but yeah, it's got to be done. <laughs> well, as long as it all comes from the same source, it should be okay, hopefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How many series are you making right now? Because they just keep adding and adding and multiplying, because there was Weeble and Bob, and then I know there's Parsley Boobs, which I really quite like. Yes. Uh, on the Moon. On the Moon, yes. On cat moon. Face, of course. Oh, yes, yes. He's got a big cat face. Uh, <laughs> There's a few, isn't there? Mm. Probably too many, who can say? <laughs> yeah, I can, of course, Billy Potatoes, which I kind of... Yeah, it's a lot of work, Billy Potatoes. I need to get... The thing is, I, I'm just so busy, mm-hmm. like, sort of managing now, mm-hmm. I guess, and writing and doing voices and sound design. I don't actually get much chance to animate myself anymore. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, a lot of people are much better animators than me anyway. So I prefer to work with them. Um, so, yeah. And obviously we're doing the hoo-ha stuff for YouTube as mm-hmm. well, which is another three or four series that we're running, so my head's kind of mashed up. Thankfully we've got other writers in as well, mm-hmm. so Catface is mainly written by my wife Sarah Darling now, oh. and uh, a lovely chap called Joel Jessup, mm-hmm. he's writing a bunch of stuff for us, and he's brilliant, it's great fun to work with extra writers as well, and I like every now and again have a little tweaks and stuff, but I, it's, it's good fun, I like it. That's cool. So Weeble Stuff's really expanded beyond your stuff and become yeah. more of like a production label. I guess so, yeah. Thing. I mean, it's kind of ramshackle. I'm not like the most organised person in the world, um, but we're getting there. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people who are really good at their job are helping out, and I'm really happy where we are, because <laughs> it's nice to be able to go, hey, you're brilliant, work with me. And they go, yeah, all right. So you've got your CDs out for sale. Will Savlonic ever have a CD all of their yeah, own? Yeah, we're working on it now, actually. Well, it's an EP at the moment. Mm. Uh, we've remastered all the tunes with, like, fancy new kit oh, cool. we've got. So I've, all, I've just learned about parallel compression, which is like, my mind is blown. It's in, sounds fantastic. I love this. So everything's just, like, how it should have been, basically. <laughs> Um, so yeah, five songs, hopefully, I guess that's a mini album maybe, yeah. with some remixes and stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think they're going to get their own YouTube channel at some point, so with interviews and stuff, and we're trying to, look, here's the band, <laughs> this is the thing, enjoy, basically. Alright, trying to make them into a like, 
I'd say a real band, but in the same sense that the Gorillas are a real band. Yeah, it's, it's that sort of thing, I guess. But yeah, they are a real band. Why shouldn't they have their own channel? Yeah, sure. It, it works for, like I say, Gorillas and Studio Killers and all yeah. that types. <laughs> uh, so are you still going to keep them in the same comedy direction or try to make them more like a, a band band? They're, they have, like, through the progression of the songs, become more sensible, I guess. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's kind of... Squeaky bum for me to be involved in something that's not silly uh, or surreal. Um, hopefully it'll work. I mean, we, to be honest, we put more effort into their videos than any other thing. I mean, months of work, literally months of work, oh, no. tweaking sounds and the animation, just, just like particle effects and 3D blurs and it's like what are we doing here oh god yeah because every one of them's had like different changes of art style or increases of like locations and things since the first yeah. one Electro Gypsy which was relatively simple sort yeah. of mostly but then Wandering Eyes like no full on animated people yeah. why not why? with different locations and a giant eye machine keyboard yeah sure why not and then the driver with all this like Shiny sun effects yes. and 3D cars. Well, they weren't really 3D. Just like hours of flash animations. Like Flash doesn't even like to do this. We will make it do it. <laughs> will you expand beyond Flash? As a I hate or? Flash with a passion. <laughs> I think it's crap. It is the worst thing. As I mean, it's got its place. If you're just bashing stuff out and don't really care about the camera, <laughs> which I've become obsessed with, like. You watch a lot of Flash stuff and it's all very sort of side-on profile, mm. flat, basically. Yeah, there's not much ability for 3D. And the problem is, if you do do a, a slow pan around something or a mm. sort of tilt, then that's when you really see the flaws in Flash, because backgrounds just start wobbling around like they've got Parkinson's. It's like, no, I don't want this to happen. <laughs> so I, I, I've really got into After Effects. So we'll draw bits of it in Flash, the bits that Flash can handle, mm -hmm. and then try and build like a set around them so we can actually use a 3D camera of sorts with them. Yeah, and obviously focus pulls and all the nice directory things that you'd like to do. Cool. I believe you have a new Sublonic video coming out. We have. It's taken you forever to do. Six months. <laughs> Six months of ruin. Like, why isn't there on the moon? Pebo's busy. Where's Sablonic? We're making it. Where is it? It's, it's making it. It's being made. It's finished. We're done. On Monday or Tuesday, well, I don't know what the day will be, let's say 29th or 30th of May, it will be released, <laughs> along with the tune, along with remixes by Lil Deuce Deuce, uh, and I forget the rest, which is really rude of me. Oh, God. They're all lovely. I'll put like links Echo to Box, them. That's one. Oh. And a lovely chap called Miko as well. <laughs> so yeah, I'm super excited about this. And it's kind of nerve-wracking, like I say, because it's sensible. <laughs> it's not comedy. They've kind of grown into a full-on, they make proper tunes type band rather <laughs> than sing about gypsies. <laughs> so watch it, yes. <laughs> watch it. It'll be out now by the time this interview is up. Yay! Go look at it. Please. Lick the screen and buy the merch. <laughs> <laughs> it's been lovely talking to you, sir. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. I look thank forward to seeing the new Sevlonic video. Right, cheers, thank you. Put us some time. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Alright, welcome back to 104.5 CVFM. That was Harry interviewing Weeble and Bob somewhere. You will learn the name eventually. And, and now we're going to do Super Fast Dealers.
Yeah, super fast going through the deals and who was there at Expo. Yeah, at Comic Con. Okay, I get this one off, I think. Next time I have to start referring to it as Comic Con all the time. But there are so many things you can find at the, London, the MCM London Comic Con. So many ridiculous things from outfits to corsets to Chaos Comics, including Cap, Cap Kimpton has a big array of steampunk things. Swords to body pillows, if you're into that. I don't know. Uh, squishy and fluffy, plushy things like, like cats and llamas and shirts from Genki Gear, who once again did the official MCM uh, t-shirt for this year. There's anime, there's manga, there's promo, there's rudy things that rhyme with promo. There's cafes. <laughs> uh, there's trading card games. There was uh, Moly, who used to be on the show, was showing off his new game, uh, Oblivion. Harry, you broke Israel. Sorry, break Harry. How much? Okay. Then there's the then there's the manly version of the the thing I can't say on the radio, but that's there too. He yeah. normally shouts and carries a large paddle. Uh, and there was cosplay. Euro cosplay was there again this year, uh, doing the first round, I believe. Looking forward to seeing the results of uh, later ones and seeing how it goes over the course of the year. Uh, people might remember last year's uh, winning series was an amazing uh, toothless full-body cosplay. Okay. I think I went through most of it there. Yes. Otherwise, check out their website. Yes. Um, we are, unfortunately, at the end of the show. Uh, this has been The Geek Show. Next week, we're talking about E3. Ooh. Yes. So, uh, we'll be looking at E3 very closely this week because we, so we there are a lot of people who that there are there's actually quite a few people we know at E3 this year. Oh, excellent. As well. Uh, good friends out. of the show from companies like Capcom and Deep Silver and that. Uh, Suzanne, Adam, hope you're having a great time there. Um, we've been the Geek Show. I've been Rob. I've been Chris. I've been Israel with the Take Our Bidders. Bye. Harry? I've, I've, oh, oh, before me. Oh, okay. All right. I'll see how this is say. going. Yes. I, I would say, I've been Harry. Hi. Hi. Yes. I hope to be in the studio next week for E3. Yes. Um, also, I just want to say before we go, the Humble Indie Bundle 8 is currently out. Go to humblebundle.com and buy amazing games like Thomas Was Alone and Dear Esther for really, really, really cheap. Also, and, uh, by Journey. Collector's Edition. Yes. Also, by Journey. Collector's Edition. Yes. Also by Gunpoint, the game, which has finally come out now. And yeah, that's it for the show this week. Check out my best body. <laughs> what? For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.